0: You're listening to teaching from the Castle Hills Christian Church in San Antonio, Texas. More information about Castle Hills Christian Church is available at chccsa.com. If you're ever looking for a way to like uh, catch up on a nap or uh, just learn a lot more about Minecraft than you ever needed to know. Just grab my five-year-old, my my six-year-old, just grab him and like talk with him because he will talk your ear off for days about Minecraft. And he loves to play the game. Um, But for those of you who don't know, uh, commonsensemedia.org describes Minecraft as a virtual sandbox that gives players all the tools they need to explore a vast world, harvest resources, create nearly anything they can possibly imagine. The story in Minecraft is whatever the player wants it to be as players customize their worlds and the creatures in it and how they choose to interact. One world might feature the aftermath of a zombie apocalypse with players forced to build mighty fortresses to withstand the nightly onslaught of the undead hordes, while another may be a peaceful zen garden that encourages visitors to find tranquility. Throughout the Minecraft multiverse are infinite possibilities, and it's up to you to create your own. When I think about what Minecraft is, uh, I think of it as sort of like uh, digital interactive Legos uh, with a little bit of a story thrown in there. It's available on all kinds of platforms, and my kids have sunk hours and days and possibly even weeks of their life into this game. And essentially what you do is you explore, you gather resources, you craft or make things, and then there's combat in it as well. Um, They have creative modes, which means that, like, you can't die. You just build stuff, and you have fun, and you have unlimited resources. But then there's also survival mode, um, where, like, there are creatures and things and experiences that will attack you. And this process, this game, really encourages creativity. Um, It can help promote strategic thinking. When you have a child, you probably know strategic thinking, long-term planning is not something that kids naturally have, right? And so this game can, can really produce that. And I don't know about you, uh, do we have any planners in the room, any people who like to plan? Okay, there's a couple of us in here. Uh, planning can be good. It can be healthy. And there's a, a lot of benefit to planning and kind of having strategic thinking about your life. But planning can also be harmful, and what we're going to talk about today is that it matters how and why we plan. That it matters how and why we plan. See, if our planning is driven by fear or scarcity or selfishness, it could be harmful to us in the long term. The Bible has something to say about this in the book of James, chapter 4, and we're going to look at that today. So if you have a Bible, um, you can go there. I'm going to be reading from the English Standard Version today, James, chapter 4. There's Bibles in the seats in front of you as well if you need one. In James chapter 4, James talks to us about what healthy planning and unhealthy planning looks like. I'm going to read for verses 13 through 16. Come now, you who say, today or tomorrow, we will, spend, we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. Yet, you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say... If the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogance, and all such boasting is evil. So whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him it is sin. One of the things that I've learned in life is that we like to control. We like to control things. Think about the different areas of your life where you are just holding on for dear life to try to maintain control of those areas of your life. I think about the schedule, what we do day in and day out, our routine. A lot of us who are planners, we love to maintain control of our schedule. One of the ways I see this play out is when I interact with teenagers. We just got back from this middle school CIY event, and I cannot tell you how many times I got questions about the schedule. What are we doing now? Where are we going next? When's this happening? Why is this happening? Do I get to do this? Do I get to do that? Are we going to do this? Are we going to do On and on and on and on. And one of the things that I try to teach by example, and it drives them crazy, especially if it's their first time traveling with me, is I just won't tell them. Like, they'll ask things, and I'll be like, you'll find out when you need to know. I'll tell you later. Or if it's something that's been in the schedule that are given to them, like, I think you have a schedule. You can go check that out for yourself, right? But why do we ask that? Why do the teenagers obsess over when we're doing what we're doing? Because we feel like when we know what's happening next, we're in charge. And we're just grasping to this sense of control. But it's not just with our schedules that we do this. I think about me as a parent, the way I interact with my children. If I can just get them to behave a certain way. When we're at a restaurant, if I could just get them to not throw tacos around the room. like We want to control that, right? Maybe for you it's your finances. Man, if I could just save more, do more, buy more, if I could just have more, if I could just get to this certain place in life where I earn this amount of money. Maybe for some of you it's your image, the way you present yourself, the way your friends and family think about you. I want to make sure that I control and maintain an image of a certain look, a certain aesthetic, a certain role in life that I want to present myself as having. If if you have a social media profile, you know really carefully which pictures go and which ones don't. If one of your friends tags you in that picture that you didn't want them to tag you in, you're like, take that picture down, because you're trying to control the image that you put out to the world. We love control. But James says something really interesting there. He says, what's your life? It's a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes it. Why do you think James describes your life as a mist? What's he trying to let us know there? What's he trying to teach us? It's interesting, the word in the original language for mist actually talks about the swirl of smoke that arises from a fire. If you've ever been camping, uh, you know what this looks like. You you light a campfire, and, and it has all this smoke that's billowing. But as you kind of look above the fire, the smoke's there, and then it's gone. It's just momentary. It's fleeting. And even when it's there, you can almost see through it. It's almost like... It doesn't exist. And James tells us that in a lot of ways, your life is like this. Your life is just a smoke above a fire. It's just a mist. It's something that's there momentarily and vanishes. See, I think what James is trying to communicate to us is even when you think you're in control, you're not really in control. Your life is fleeting. This is a lesson you can learn from Minecraft, too, in case you were curious. My my oldest son Josiah still has a profile that he plays on occasionally and he, he's really controlling over what he builds. The other day, his brother was playing with his switch and he was on his profile. And he was in my office and Josiah was off doing something else. And Ewan's sitting there playing and he gets this panic look on his face. And he's like, oh no, oh no, oh no. And he's just panicked. Ewan, what's wrong? A creeper blew up Josiah's house. A creeper blew up Josiah's house. And he's just panicked. And the panic turns to joy, which is maybe uh, bad, but you know how brothers are. And he he realizes that he gets to tell his brother that the, the, the creeper blew his house up. So as soon as Josiah walks in the room, Guess what? A creeper blew up your house. And Josiah was angry and frustrated. But there's this sense of control that Josiah, my older son, wanted to maintain over this Minecraft world. He had built something that was exactly like he wanted. And all of a sudden, his brother, just playing on the profile for five minutes, a creeper blows it up. And he realizes in that moment that the things that he thinks he has control over, he does not really have control over what James chapter 4, verse 15 tells us is that we should instead say, if the Lord wills. If the Lord wills. That's an interesting phrase. The word Lord is, is, is really interesting to me. It actually means like the owner or master or someone in charge. If you were a servant in a house, the person who owned the house would be called the Lord of the house. In the Roman Empire, the ultimate title of Lord was given to the emperor. And here, James uses this word for master or one in charge, the person who owns something and then does all the decision making. That's the title for God that he chooses to use here the Lord. And the word for wills means decides, calls the shots, makes the choices. What James says we should be saying is if the owner, the Lord, the God who's in charge of the universe decides to allow something, decides to do something, then, and only then it will happen. In our family, we have a a practice where we take turns determining what restaurant we're going to go out to. And uh, my kids are pretty uncreative. I like to try new things, but we find ourselves in a rut sometimes. But the person in charge that week gets to, to say where we're going to go. And it never fails that when it's like mine or my wife's choice, the kids just pipe in really quickly with what they want. Because they think that if they put it in our heads, they're going to influence our decision making. And I don't know about how you are as a parent, but what I do is I pick any other restaurant, right? <laughs> now, luckily, we don't serve a God who works that way. He's a much better father than I am. But I think sometimes we think, if I just put this in front of God, God's going to take it, because that's what I've offered him. And what James says is, no, our approach should be different. Our approach should be that we ask God what God wants. The author C.S. Lewis said this one time, the more we let God take over, the more truly ourselves we become. See, we're trying to maintain and control and curate a version of ourselves that oftentimes isn't even authentic to who we're supposed to be. But when we let God actually have control, when we let God actually be in the driver's seat, the Lord, the owner, the one who decides, the master, be the one who decides, then and only then are we actually who we're intended to be. So here's some questions for you to ask yourself. When you ask, do I have a control problem? Do I trust God with my future? Do I actually trust God to be generous, to do what's right for me, to guide me in healthy ways? Do I trust God with my future? And also ask yourself, what areas of my life am I reluctant to let God control? Is there some part of me, some part of my life that I'm just holding on to control? What areas of my life am I reluctant to let God control? Because the reality is that a lot of us, we like to control. And some of us know we like to control, but some of us need to to realize that about ourselves. We don't just like to control, though. We also like to consume. Look at the plans that James is criticizing here in James chapter 4. This is what the people say when they plan. Today or tomorrow, we will go to such and such a town, spend a year there, trade, and make a profit. See, their plans are about financial success. That's what they plan. And for a lot of us, when we think about the things that we do plan, we think about career tracks, getting ahead in life, our retirement plan. Those are the things that we like to invest our energies planning Earlier in chapter 4, this is what James says. James chapter 4, verses 1 and 2. What causes quarrels among you and causes fight among you? Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? You desire and do not have, so you murder. You covet and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. See, when you think about like the problems that we have in life, the conflicts we have in others, James says a lot of the times that comes from your desire for more, your craving for stuff, your discontentment that you have in life. In the original letter, there were no verse and chapter breaks. Those are just there so we can kind of find things a little easier. And right after the passage we've been studying this morning in James chapter 5, James warns people who are rich about mistreating and exploiting laborers. And I think what he understands really keenly is that sometimes when we plan, we can be so caught up in our planning and our scheming and our building and our making money and our consuming resources that we don't take time to care about others and how it impacts them. Too often, we make the mistake of confusing professional success and financial success with God's blessings. Well, if I'm doing what God wants, then obviously He's going to give me more. If I could just follow God's will and find God's will for my life, I'm going to have financial success. And what James says is, no, 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 that's not the kind of planning you need to consume yourself with. James tells us that life is so much more than trading and making a profit. If I were going to use the Minecraft language for this, I would say that life is more than crafting, and it's more than filling your inventory. M- my kids love to do this little trick where they kind of uh, <clears throat> scheme in Minecraft. You can change your settings from creative to survival. And in creative settings, you have all the stuff in your inventory, like in unlimited. And so they'll go and like, build all the things in creative and go store them in a box, and then switch the game to survival mode, and go grab the stuff out. Because they can't imagine playing this game without having virtually unlimited resources. But I think about us in life. When we ask ourselves, do we really trust God? Do we really trust God to be in control? The answer is, yeah, if we have all the stuff we want. If my inventory is full, if my bank account has a cushion, I'm in a comfortable home, and and I'm successful at work, and I have that position I've wanted, and I have the vehicles I wanted to drive, and got my kids into the right schools, and I can buy those shoes I want. If I have that stuff taken care of, then I'll let God be in control. Our problem is that oftentimes in the pursuit of these things, we've harmed other people, and we've neglected what God cares about. Jesus tells a story in Luke chapter 12, and it's in response to kind of an interaction with the crowd. Someone comes up and there's a dispute over, between some brothers about how they're going to distribute the inheritance. And this is what Jesus warns the person who asks him. He says, Take care and be on your guard against all the covetousness of this life that it does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. In other words, like we can be consumed with like getting stuff But life does not consist of the abundance of our possessions. It's not just about how much stuff you have. He goes on to tell a story about a a wicked man who was a farmer and had some success. In fact, he was so successful that the, the barns he had to store his grain weren't big enough. So what he decided to do was to tear down his barns and build bigger barns. And this is what the story ends with. God says to this man, Fool, this night your soul is required of you, and the things you have prepared, whose will they be? So it is with the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. See, the reality is that we live in a culture that's obsessed with building bigger barns. We live in a culture that doesn't care how you get what you have. It doesn't care how you treat people around you. It doesn't care whether or not you love your neighbor or not. It doesn't care whether or not you're generous and kind. It only cares if you have. And Jesus says your life is more than what you own. In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus said it this way. Do not lay up for yourself treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth or rust Destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The things that you actually care about are the things that you're going to devote your time and money and energy to. Some questions you should be asking yourself to determine whether or not you are a consumer or not. Do my plans only benefit me? And just a little, like, side note, if they benefit, like, your wife and kids, that's you. Do my plans only benefit me? And then if we're really honest, how might my decisions harm other people? My decision-making, my planning, my scheming, my dreaming, my building, my bank account, how is my pursuit of these things, this stuff, this life, harming other people? people. See, James warns us about our tendency to control and to consume. He warns us that some of us, when we plan, we're not worried about honoring God or doing what's best in life or making our lives better because that's the way that God designed us to be. But instead, we're worried about trading making a profit. We're worried about what we can consume, and we're worried about just maintaining control over our lives. Here's something that I've had to ask myself. Am I making plans and asking God to bless those plans? Or am I asking God to guide my planning? See, I think there's a way to plan and dream and have vision and chase after things that honors God. But it's only when we decide to let God, the owner of the world, the controller of the world, the master, the Lord, to get his will in our lives that we're able to plan in a way that honors God? Are your schemes God's schemes? Are your dreams God's dreams? Does God care about the things that you care about? When Jesus prayed the model prayer, he acknowledges who God is, our Father who art in heaven. May your name be holy. And the next phrase is really powerful but I think often misunderstood or overlooked. Jesus says to pray, God, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Does your life reflect the realities of what God would get if he was completely in control? Does your life, your planning, your scheming, your dreaming, your vision for the future, does it look like what God would have for you? Or are you creating a plan? And saying, God, this is what I've got. Come bless this thing. There's a difference. Proverbs chapter three is a pretty famous proverb. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all that you do, and he will show you which path to take. The order is important. Seek God's will. And God will show you which path to take. And then, verse seven, this cuts. Don't be impressed with your own wisdom. Instead, fear the Lord and turn away from evil. If you want to ask yourself, Am I really controlling, consuming in life? Maybe you should spend some time praying through and reflecting on Proverbs 3 this week. And ask yourself, The life of wisdom that Proverbs 3 describes, is that the way I'm approaching my future? I believe that we serve and love a generous, gracious God who has amazing things in store for us. And I think that we're selling ourselves short when we're doing the planning and scheming and not letting God guide and direct us into a beautiful future. My hope and prayer for you is that you will begin to not hand your plans to God and ask him to bless them, but ask God to guide and direct your planning into things that make you flourish into the person that God has designed you to be and take you to the things that God has planned for you. Because we serve an amazing, glorious God who can do much more than you could ever imagine or dream with your life. Things that honor him, And don't just elevate us.